and welcome back to the Baropolis Podcast YouTube channel. As always, I am joined with Nathan, and as always, well, as always, it seems at the moment, Middlesbrough have won again, and we've got another Borough three points to talk about. But uh, before we do so, Nathan, a week's gone by. How's the week been? I mean, I want to win. Um, but yeah, apart from the football, I guess, because, you know, there is more to life than uh, Michael Carrick's Middlesbrough team. Yeah, I'm all right, Chris. Yeah, um, it always does help when Michael Carrick's Middlesbrough do win games and play remarkably well. But yeah, I'm OK. What about yourself? Yeah, all good. Obviously, still, as you can see in, in Bali, abroad um a little bit burnt today i'm not gonna lie um but apart from that had a really nice few days traveling around some of the um islands that are close and yeah um even better than that i did actually manage to find a phenomenal i follow stream <laughs> for the game um i was slightly concerned obviously last week we spoke about me being on the flight whilst the game was going on and then having to watch the uh, the full 90. But this week, I was watching live as it happened as Tuberatcom danced around the riverside and um, just put smiles on everyone's faces. Um, but yeah, Nathan, onto the, onto the football. But actually, before we get into... The previous game, there was a little bit of um, extra transfer news, wasn't there, following the conclusion of deadline day? And it came as somewhat of a shock. Um, Kaelin Boyd-Munts left the club um, and it was a mutual termination of his contract. I mean, firstly, what did you make of that? Because my initial reaction was I didn't see it coming, to be honest. Yeah, it was one of shock a little bit. Um, of course, Caelan Boyd-Munns signed for the club last January um, and has found first-team appearances hard to come by in his time at Middlesbrough. Um, I think when he was brought in, many thought it was going to be a signing that was sort of one for the future. But if you look at Caelan Boyd-Munns' age, he's 23 currently. And he's 24 at the back end of this month. And playing under 23s and under 21s football just isn't going to cut it for someone that's touching 24 at the end of this month. So, yeah, a mutual termination of his contract at Middlesbrough. Hopefully he goes and finds a new club by the end of this month, hopefully, uh, and gets a good second half of the season elsewhere. Um, I think you'll probably be looking at a League One or, or League Two club, if I'm honest. But, yeah, best of luck to Kaelin. Um, Hopefully, he goes on and has a prosperous career. Yeah, it was um, it was an interesting one. And, obviously, in, um, in his tweets and his Instagram activity following the announcement, he sort of basically admitted that although it was a mutual termination, I think it was more his decision. Um, and, I mean, credit to him, obviously, from what we sort of have seen from what he's had to say, it seems as though he just wants to play football. And as you say, you know, he's at an age now where 
he can't really be playing in the under-23s for much longer and gain a lot from it, really. Um, and I guess, I think because obviously we paid a fee for him, albeit it was probably a very small fee, I think people just thought he'd stay around even as a, what, fifth, sixth-choice midfielder. I think he probably would have been. Um, but no, as you say, all the best to him and, you know, credit to him for, I guess, being self-aware enough to think, well, my Middlesbrough career is not really going anywhere. It's on me to get myself out of there and, and try and make something else work. So, yeah, fair play to him. And as you say again, um, best of luck to Caelan Boyd months. Uh, on to Saturday's game now, Nathan. At the Riverside, and it was just fantastic, wasn't it? It was um, three points once again for Michael Carrick's Middlesbrough um, against a side that I think going into this game I thought would be a more difficult test than even Watford the week before because Watford, you expect would come out a little bit more at the Riverside and possibly try and get that goal. Whereas Blackpool going into this game, fighting for the lives down the bottom of the table and scrapping for any point possible. So was fully expecting Blackpool to come in and sit behind the ball a little bit and just try and nick something on the break, which that was the plan from them. Um, um, yeah, unchanged. Yeah. Going into this game from the 2 0 win against Watford last week. Dale Fry back on the bench following his suspension after that red card at Sunderland. And new signing Dan Barlasser also on the bench, uh, hoping to make his, his Middlesbrough debut from the bench. Aaron Ramsey still a little bit uh, further away yet, of course, just coming back from injury from his time at Norwich. But We'll wait and see what Aaron Ramsey brings to this side. Uh, going into the game, I, I actually was quite surprised to see Blackpool pressing Middlesbrough quite high in the early stages. Uh, Shane Lavery, um, always a tricky customer at this level. Um, a small centre-forward that likes to press, uh, putting some pressure on Paddy McNair and Dara Lenahan uh, in Middlesbrough's back two. Um, back two. But um, Middlesbrough dominated the early stages, as expected. The home team, the team in form. And, and we had a few chances early on, nothing too much to shout about. Uh, Daryl Lenahan did hit the bar from a set piece that was whipped in from the right from Ryan Giles. Uh, it came down from the bar and hit McNair uh, from maybe two yards out. And you're just hoping that that sort of goes in quite luckily but it wasn't to be the case but Middlesbrough break the deadlock and I mean Chris described to me what your feeling was when this one went in the back of the net because it was just sublime um, Instead of describing my emotion when it went in I'm just going to actually tell you my reaction when it went in honestly Tuba picked the ball up, um, having been involved earlier on in the play. Um, he picks the ball up eventually towards the left-hand side of the box, um, cuts infield, 
dinks it at the back post, in off the post, and honestly, I just started laughing because I actually just thought he's too good. It has gone beyond the tuba train and, you know, we all love him to pieces. I, I just started laughing because he has effectively become a cheat code in this division. <laughs> he, he is, at the moment, he's making football look too easy in the championship. And yeah, my initial reaction was just to laugh as if to say, this Tuberapom redemption arc, storyline, narrative. I don't know who's up there writing it and adding to the script, but it just gets better and better every week, doesn't it? It does. Um, and do you want to know what? The play was quite good as well. Um, the ball breaks and Housen straight away looks to play forward, plays it into Archer's feet. Archer on one touch knocks it back into Hackney. Hackney drives forward. Lays it left to Tuba. Tuba does incredibly well to sort of time his shot. Um, he uh, pretends to go right, goes left again, and then Jinx takes it right again, dinks it in that top Dinks corner. It. And you can kind of gauge the reaction from the crowd from the, the raw. And it wasn't a raw of or getting it's just a standard goal. It was a roar of shock, as if he's done that. It was like an unbelievable finish. Um, it it kind of gave me Alexis Sanchez in the Champions League a few years ago vibes where he's in that sort of position and he dinks it. I think it was against Ludogorets. Um, But an absolutely outstanding goal from the informed man in the Championship. He is simply unplayable at this moment in time. And in a game where Blackpool were always going to sit tight, you need that little bit of magic to break the deadlock. And by God, was it magic from Tuber Akpom. Middlesbrough, go 1-0 up. And I think from then on, it was, it was always one of those games where whoever gets the early goal, it sets the precedent for the game, really. And Middlesbrough were always going to um, have the better of the chances following that. Although Blackpool did relatively okay in a five-minute spell after the break. Yeah, they did. Um, but strangely enough, Nathan, I don't know if this was just me not being in the stadium. And I know I said last week, it always feels a little bit different when you're watching football on the screen rather than in a stadium and you can sort of, you almost have a sixth sense as a football fan where in a stadium you can kind of tell what's about to happen and the atmosphere just goes slightly quiet and then lo and behold, either a team equalises or I don't know, there's a goal or a foul or something like that. But yeah, Blackpool really close, hit the woodwork, should really equalise. But actually, throughout the whole passage of play and throughout, really, the whole game following our opener, I just felt like it was really routine. And I don't know if that's just blind confidence in Michael Carrick's team or it's just how well we're playing at the moment. But I've just got so much confidence in the way we play and the individuals in the team. And it's just such a well-oiled machine. 
from back to front, really. And, uh, yeah, I, I think there's no better evidence of that than, than the second goal, really, Nathan. Yeah, there's not. Um, as you say, Yates hits the bar um, going down that left-hand side. CJ Hamilton puts the ball in the box. Yates flicks it onto the bar. And I think following that chance, there is a possible moment for a momentum shift into Blackpool's favour. But Middlesbrough kept composure, just kept playing their own game, and they got the just rewards with that second goal, which it's so well-crafted. It's so calm, so composed, just trusting in the way that we want to play. And it comes from from the back. Uh, Stefan lays it into Johnny Housen. Johnny Housen knocks it around the corner into Smith. We play through the thirds, uh, and still down that right-hand side, force back into Smith, Smith into McGree. McGree turns, and what comes next is simply outstanding from the pair of these two. McGree into Tuba, Tuba back into McGree, holds the ball up a little bit, waits for Tuba's run, knocks it through the neg- through the legs of Curtis Nelson, and it's an easy finish for a player as confident as Chubrakpom is at the moment. It was a fantastic goal and it killed the game. Um, Riley McGree, brilliant in this goal. Brilliant to see him getting forward. A few nice little neat touches on the ball and, and, and the fantastic end product as well to go with it. Chubrakpom's 16th league goal of the season. Four ahead of second place now. He's out on his own. He's the man at the top of the championship goal scoring charts. And at this moment in time, I don't see who can stop him. It's it's quite yeah. sublime. I don't understand where this Tuberakpom redemption arc, as you've just mentioned, Chris, has came from. But I'm not gonna question it one bit because I'm in I'm in love with the man and I'm in love with this team. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned the team and you mentioned Tuba. I mean, there's a point I'd like to make on both, actually. We'll go with the team first. And it was just more so a feeling that I had watching the game. And I mentioned there just almost like a almost like a fan arrogance, almost, that I never felt that Blackpool were going to get back into the game. And it's because of the way we play in our system. And I know a lot of people judge football sometimes based off what they see on the pitch. Some choose to, you know, judge things based off stats and things like that. But I think just personally, in terms of watching the team, and you said it there, I just love the team. I don't know if it's the individuals or... Michael Carrick just being the most laid man in the world, but it just, I haven't really had a feeling like this probably since Ito Karanka was the manager. I mean, even under Chris Wilder, okay, we had a fantastic run, but it wasn't quite the same as this where, you know, you're starting to notice the players spending time outside of the football side of things with each other. They, they are, you know, friends with each of us, partners. They are completely 
you know, a, a group. And it's, it really is reflecting it on the pitch. Um, they just have quite an unbelievable bond at the moment. And, uh, yeah, it, it's really just put a smile on my face this full week. Um, but there is something that did put a smile on my face, even more so. And that was waking up to the news that Tuba Atplom has actually acknowledged the Tuba trainer for the first time this season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely, absolutely hilarious stuff seeing. I mean, it's always good I mean, after a game to go through the socials and see the players post um, their reactions to, to wins and things like that. But to see Tuba's uh, all aboard message. It's yeah, it's it's fantastic, and a daft little joke that me and you had at the start of the season is somewhat sort of just cottoned on to a lot of people, and it's even cottoned on to the man himself now. And yeah, everyone's on board. It's it's unbelievable. I can't believe it that this man at the start of the season, me and you were on this podcast, sort of making a little bit of a, a joke that he was going to be the man to lead the line for Middlesbrough this season, um, despite looking for forwards in the summer transfer window. It didn't come to fruition. And we had Tuber Akpom leading the line on the opening day. And we're in February now, and he's leading the way of the championship goal-scoring charts out on his own by four goals to the good, it's 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 unbelievable. And I, I can't quite believe that, one, we've got ourselves a goal scorer, and two, that he's out on his own and battering every other player in the championship for goals scored as well. It's, it is quite literally one of the greatest stories I think I've ever seen. It really is, isn't it? And it's not just his goals, obviously. He gets the headlines because of the goals, but his general play is phenomenal and obviously Michael Carrick deserves credit for uh, dropping him into that slightly deeper position. Yeah, Tuba up on, I mean, all aboard. If you weren't already on the Tuba train and if you weren't, I don't know what you're playing at and you are, you simply have to be now. I think it, the train's actually attracting fans of other clubs now, I believe. I saw a West Ham fan, an Arsenal fan, um, making quite the deal out of Tuba's brace at the weekend. So, yeah, I mean, carriages are full. But, um, <laughs> you know, as we've seen this season, it's quite extraordinary, the capacity that it can hold. So uh, let's hope we can um, get some more bodies on there throughout the rest of the season. Um, but, I mean, considering we've just went on a whole tangent on a metaphorical train, Nathan... Um, we haven't actually mentioned that there was a third goal in the game and Borough scored three. And that sort of, I mean, if it wasn't already wrapped up at 2-0, which I think it was, to be honest, that really put the final nail in, in Blackpool's coffin, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And it always makes me pleased when we score goals from, from corners and set pieces because I, I've always being sat there as a fan I don't usually think that we do uh, quite as quite as often as I would hope um, but now with with Dara Lenahan and his massive heading ability it's yeah it's good that we've got someone in the box to flick those balls on and 
and get those goals. Of course, as I mentioned in the first half, Lenahan hit the bar with a flick on um, that would have hit McNair and would have been a Lenahan assist and McNair goal. And this time it did come to fruition. Uh, Johnny Elson's corner, Daryl Lenahan's flick, Paddy McNair at the back post to just tap in easy as you like. 3-0. Unfortunately, no Paddy McNair knee slides. I think had it been to make it 1-0, we would have seen it. But 3-0, it might have been mocking it a little bit. So we'll let Paddy, Paddy off with that one. But yeah, 3-0. Three goals, three points, a clean sheet. What more can you want from a Saturday afternoon? Yeah, there's there's not a lot, is there? And considering, you know, as we spoke about last week, there was a new version of Blackpool almost given that, you know, there was a new manager in. We sort of know of Mick McCarthy teams over the years. And okay, yes, he probably hasn't had all the time to implement his ideas yet. But I always felt it was going to be a lot more of a difficult game than it actually was. And in fairness, I don't think it was that Blackpool particularly had an off day. I just felt that we battered them. We were in spells. Some of the football we played was phenomenal. We were cutting through them, going through the lines with ease. And it was, I mean, a lot of that was down to Riley McGree. Um, One of his best performances in a while, picking up all kinds of pockets, drifting in from the left. And I think he deserves a special mention because he was phenomenal. And of course, he got the assist for the second as well. Yeah, he did. He was fantastic. Um, one of his best performances in a while. Uh, I thought that one performance for Riley McGree that really stood out was his, his performance against Luton, which was straight after the World Cup break. Um, I, I don't think many pe- many people expected him to start that game because he was fresh off the back of playing in the World Cup, but he did, and he was absolutely brilliant that day, picking up pockets, creating chances, and, and even having a few chances for himself as well. Um, but yeah, this was another performance like that, uh, creating, picking up pockets, always making himself available. And, yeah, he deserves all the plaudits that he was going to get. Uh, Tommy Smith, again, fantastic. Nearly picked out the top corner himself with an absolute worldy of a strike, which, I mean, it always makes me laugh being in the Riverside because whenever the ball falls to Tommy Smith on the edge of the box, it always seems that he's in quite a lot of space and the crowd always shouts shoot. And he's tried it a couple of times and he's hit the back of the south stand a couple of times with that. So with this effort, I thought, oh, no, just don't shoot, just recycle it. And he's hit it anyway on the sidewinder and he's nearly picked up the top corner. Um, An incredible save from Maxwell. Um, Stops Tommy Smith from entering Middlesbrough's goal of the season competition. But again, Tommy Smith, brilliant. Um, I thought Hayden Hackney, again, just continues to be an absolute revelation in midfield for Middlesbrough. Um, the only frustration that I do have with Hackney's game is kind of a positive as well. Uh, he tries to do everything at 100% and at yeah. uh, at full, t- uh, full tilt in terms of his speed. 
uh, and sometimes it costs him because he <laughs> arrives into challenges late and a bit rash. And rash. We saw him booked after seven minutes on Saturday, and I think that, that possibly affects his game further on into the the ninety minutes. And yeah, he was he was substituted for, of course, Dan Barlasser, who I thought was very comfortable on Saturday afternoon when he did come on, uh, showed a few good touches, tried a few Hollywood passes where his radar was slightly off, but it's good to see uh, attempted passes like that, trying to get Middlesbrough the pitch and trying to create. Um, yeah, we also saw Alex Moore come on for the last few minutes, played a good ball down the side for Barlassa. Um, I think we've got four really, really good midfield options there now. Um, Housing and Hackney, Barlassa coming in there, and of course Alex Mauer on loan. Uh, I think that especially under Carrick, although he hasn't started uh, any games, I think that Mauer off the bench has been quite good uh, in his in his appearances. And of course, we saw Isaiah Jones back into the fold, uh, back off the bench for Marcus Force. Um, there was one moment in particular where he could have played a pass in that was slightly off and it clipped that Blackpool man. And I was just hoping that it went through to his intended target and we could have got that fourth goal and he could have got that assist just to do his confidence, that world of good. Um, but it wasn't to be. Hopefully, Isaiah Jones rediscovers that form and uh, congratulations to him and his partner as well. Uh, on the news that he's going to become a dad as well. So, fantastic news fantastic in that sense personally. But, yeah, three yeah. points three again. Points. Yeah. And we stay third. Ten points behind second. I don't want to get too caught up in that conversation. Um, but just looking quickly at the league table and the, the playoff race, we'll ignore... The, the the top two, but the playoff race. Borough now the find themselves. Anyway, yeah, yeah Borough find themselves four points inside the playoffs now. So that is just fantastic news. It means that we're not in massive danger of of falling away if we do fall to a poor result, and that always does help. Um, but third place. And I know it's been a few weeks since we did fall into third place, but from 21st or 22nd place, wherever we were, to third, I just it's just unbelievable, really, that we found ourselves in this position. Um, the wins just keep rolling in, and it is a massive pleasure to watch these boys play every week at this moment in time, and I just hope that this run continues, well, at least till the end of the season, but just goes on for as long as it possibly can. Yeah, yeah, it's it's remarkable, isn't it? Um, week in, week out now, you almost look at the league table and just think, how has this happened? Um, and I mean, uh, you look at West Brom and look at their rise as well, but... Obviously, it's probably a little bit of bias looking at it, but the transformation in style, the 
players picking up and finding new roles that seem to just suit them down to the ground. And even just the atmosphere amongst the fan base, really. The fans love the players again. And to be honest, I don't think anyone probably would have said that they loved any of the players at the start of the season. If I think back to maybe after the Coventry defeat um, prior to Wilder sacking, I mean, so many of the players that are starring now would have just been written off, really. Um, I mean, even people like Daryl Lenahan, you mentioned him there, heavily involved and arguably should have had a goal at the weekend. I mean, he, he is really proving now to be the signing of one of the best centre-halves in the championship, like everyone said he would be. And was really, I mean, even sort of AFL pundits and, and neutrals that weren't Middlesbrough fans were really raving about the signing and going on about what a, a coup it was really on a free. And I mean, he's just starting to show that now. He seems to get better game by game. And I mean, even the smaller things, the fact that Anthony Dykesteel can't even get in the squad. I mean, if you just said that sort of 12 months ago, people would have laughed and sort of said, well, if he's not making it into the squad, then we must have some seriously good players in there now. And I mean, we really do, don't we? It's uh, it's a joy to watch at the moment, Nathan. It, it really is. Um, moving on from, obviously, the victory and what was just a joy to watch. There was more contract news this week. And again, a real shock. Somewhat of the forgotten man, I guess. Um, Hayden Coulson, obviously currently out on loan at Aberdeen, has signed a contract extension um, out of nowhere almost. A really quite bit of interesting news, to be honest, considering I think most people probably thought his, his time at the club was up. But uh, no, it's, it's certainly not, is it? No, it's not. Uh, Hayden Coulson signing that deal to 2025 uh, with Middlesbrough having the option of a further year on that deal. Um, yeah, came out of nothing. Um, I don't think anyone was expecting this news at all. Um, and I'm going to be honest, I don't think that this news probably would have happened had Chris Wilder still been at Middlesbrough. I think that this news is coming because of his link with Jonathan Woodgate. Of course, Woodgate now assistant coach to Michael Carrick at Middlesbrough. And, of course, Woodgate was the, the head coach or the manager that gave Hayden Carson his big break in this Middlesbrough side a few years ago. Um, I think that there is possibility that he can break in. Of course, we have seen Tuba, who came out of absolutely nowhere in the summer, completely left out in the cold, and he's proven to be an unbelievable player for Michael Carricker and Middlesbrough so far this season. So, yeah, Hayden Coulson, let's hope that he can uh, keep fit at Aberdeen, come off the back of a, a good second half of the season, 
up in Scotland and, and come back to Middlesbrough and really make a mark in the first team? Yeah, it will be interesting, won't it? Obviously, we can't predict the future or where we'll be. Um, but at the moment, Ryan Giles isn't our player. So, you know, I'm sure there's probably a thought of that potentially um, going into that decision. Um, obviously, everyone's sort of praying that we get that deal done permanently and, and relatively quickly, regardless of what division we're in. Um, but yeah, Hayden Coulson's an interesting one, as you say, you know. I think Jonathan Woodgate's probably helped his case an awful lot. Um, but in fairness, from from what I've seen of him at Aberdeen, he's looked the same, Hayden Coulson, as what sort of we all know he is, likes to bomb on, actually quite technically good. Um, and I think, you know, as you mentioned with Tuberapom, you look at players that have perhaps almost been written off and then been revigorated under Michael Carrick. It could well be the perfect opportunity and the perfect system to get the best out of Hayden Coulson. Because as you say, up until really Jed Spencer was introduced into the team, I think it was fair to say that Hayden Coulson was probably our player of the season. In fact, I think he may have even won young player of the season that year, potentially. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, a bit of shock news, but interesting uh, nonetheless. Moving on from that, Nathan, obviously this Saturday, back in action. Unfortunately, we're not at the Riverside. We are travelling all the way to Wales to face Cardiff. Obviously, Cardiff in a real spot of bother at the moment, but they have a familiar face on the coaching staff and, of course, a, a relatively new manager as well. Um, Lamucci, of course, well known for being at Nottingham Forest a few years back, has joined Cardiff and also brought in alongside him Mr. Sol Bamba, Mr. One-Touch Heat Map at Old Trafford, <laughs> Mr. All-Round Nice Guy, to be honest. Um, yeah, what a fantastic blog, but what a reason for us to go and knock the smile off his face that seems to be permanently fixed on his face for 90 minutes at least. Yeah, that is the hope, isn't it? Um, when he got announced as the uh, assistant coach at Cardiff, I did put a message out on Twitter saying good luck to him there, but not on the 11th of February. Um, I hope that we go there and I don't care if it's a scrappy 1-0 or if we wipe the floor with Cardiff. I just hope we go there, get three points and leave. Um, yeah, it's a difficult one, the same as Blackpool once again. Um, I think that despite us going away from home, the aim will be to dominate the ball, to assert our our dominance and to play our game uh, instead of playing to Cardiff's tune. I think that, once again, it's going to be very, very difficult because I'm not quite sure if it is or if it isn't, but I think it is Lamucci's first game at the Cardiff City Stadium um, as their manager. Um if so, the crowd will be looking to get on their, their side. But if we dominate the ball, 
and sort of just play our own game, then we'll be able to uh, hopefully turn the crowd on, on the crowd off and, and make it quite a negative atmosphere for their players to play in. If we get an early goal, that'd be lovely. Um, but going into this game, they are really struggling. Uh, they got beat 1-0 away at Hull last time out. Um, and Sabri Lamucci in his post-match presser explained that Cardiff were, that Cardiff were in the shit. In the and shit. Yeah, hopefully we are the team to put them further in the shit and take three points from them in South Wales. Uh, it'd be lovely to get another three points on the board, especially going into uh, a massively difficult test next Wednesday. I'm not getting too ahead of myself, just looking slightly further forward. Um, but yeah, it'd be lovely to get three points once again against a side that are down there scrapping for their lives. I think if you if you want to be up there at the top end of the table, you need to go there, be professional, and most of all, just get a positive result. And hopefully that is the case for Michael Carrick's Middlesbrough on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, absolutely, Nathan. Um, it's always the type of games where you look at regardless of your form and think it's not an easy place to go. Um, over the years, even sort of going back to the Itor Karanga years, I never felt confident going to Cardiff and it hasn't changed. I do remember Albert Adoma bursting down the right and teeing up Kike actually um, away at Cardiff. And of course, the main man, Martin Piero, stands out. Um, but we won't go into that because I don't want to start crying <laughs> and telling everyone how much I miss him on this podcast. Um, we'll save that until the end of the season. But uh, no, in all seriousness, as you say, Saul Bamba's in there, Lamucci's in there. It'll be a different Cardiff. And I, I think you are right in saying, actually, that it'll be their first home game under new management. Obviously, their crowd will be fully behind the new manager. And it always makes it more difficult, but hopefully um, with our current form and our current way of playing, we'll be just too much for that. Um, unless I've missed anything, Nathan, which I don't think I have. Uh, I think that that's us, isn't it? I think it is, yeah. Um, I just I hope that you're able to watch the game on, uh, on Saturday afternoon. I hope that the... Uh, the eye follow is back up and running for Saturday afternoon and uh, I'll be uh, hopefully doing the same. Um, wink, wink. I think I might travel to, to Bali with you and watch it on the, uh, on the eye follow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although quite annoyingly wink, wink again, uh, I did end up in Italy watching the Blackpool game because it had been selected for international broadcast. So, yeah, that was a little bit out of the way, but well worth it to watch that performance. Uh, well, from me and Nathan, we'll finish our wink-wink slash geography slash travel lesson, uh, or whatever we want to call it, really. And we'll, we'll leave it there for this episode. It's been another positive one, and rightfully so. 
we've got the best player in the division. We're playing unbelievable football. And Michael Carrick massively, massively pulls off some of the best outfits from a manager in the division. I just wanted to get that in there. The audacity from him to turn up at Preston wearing a cardigan. At that moment, I knew that he was going to be the real deal. Um, so, yeah, I'll wait to see what choice of attire he goes for in Wales. Um, and, yeah, I'll be quite excited to see that. So, um, yeah, can't wait already. But in all seriousness, for me, Nathan... Thanks ever so much for watching and listening. And if you have been watching on any audio platforms, make sure to give us a kind review. And as for YouTube, of course, subscribe, leave a comment, tell us where you may or may not have been watching the game from or are planning to watch the Cardiff game from. Wink, wink. And yes, that's us. So uh, all that's left for me says thank you so much for watching and listening and that has been another episode of the Brock List podcast. Oh.